Hello and welcome to episode four of Cleared for Takeoff. I am your host, Gavin Rice, and I want to share what I have learned in aviation, both on the job, off the job, and what I've encountered everywhere in between. One of the most fulfilling things I've done in my career was back when I was flight instructing and I got to send a student off for his first solo. It's, it's one of the most full circle kind of feelings I could ever describe. Everyone who goes through flight training has to complete a solo and it's the biggest deal and first huge accomplishment along the flight training journey. I might add that completing your first landing with the instructor completely off the controls is, is also a really amazing feeling, but it, that solo is just, it's so big, it's so huge, it's, it's a, a huge milestone. I, I remember that day when I went for my solo, and it was just this beautiful sunny day, and my instructor Kelly and I took off from Daytona Airport and headed towards Palm Coast's Flagler County Airport. And we... As we were getting there, she, she had me do a few laps in the pattern with her on board just to make sure I was all warmed up, so to speak. And then she told me over, uh, she told me to taxi over to the FBO. Uh, FBO stands for the, the fixed based operator, which is essentially just the office for, for the airport. You know, they've got a lounge and computers and uh, some of these airports will have rental car facilities in there, etc. So uh, anyway, we, we taxi over to the FBO, we, we, we shut down the engine, she hops out and says, all right, go do three laps in the pattern, then come back and pick me up. And I, I remember I, I kind of stuttered saying, wait, you're leaving me and, and I'm going to fly this plane by myself? Uh, yep, she replied, you'll do great. And just like that, I started up the engine, taxied out to the runway. I performed my engine warm-up and followed all of my checklists and took off. It, it was the strangest feeling. The last few months of flying, I had Kelly right there in the right seat, giving me guidance and always telling me, more right rudder. Uh, to my non-pilot listeners, I'll, I'll go more in depth on an aerodynamics or physics type of episode. But for now, just to keep it simple, in a little piston propeller-driven aircraft, it, it pulls to the left, particularly on, on takeoff. So therefore, more right rudder inputs are needed and, and it's often neglected by us when we first start our, our flight training out. So we're, we're still learning how to coordinate all the things going on with our hands, our feet, and, and our understanding of, of what the heck's going on. So back to the story, I was I was now alone in the aircraft with just my, my training experience thus far, uh, just me, myself, and, the, and this airplane. So even though I alone was at the controls though, there were these little comments in my head. Uh, Kelly was guiding me even without without being in the plane and you know i could just hear little little blurps of her voice in my, in my head telling me you know you know more right rudder or more this you know level it out widen out your your downwind pattern there do this do that I, I could just even though i was alone it was as if she was still there helping me out after i did three successful laps in the pattern i taxied back to the fbo and over by the picnic table, she was, she was there. She got up and, and she was giving me a, a big thumbs up. I, I probably cracked the, the biggest smile my face had, had ever attempted to create. And the, the feeling was just, it was empowering, yet really humbling because I knew there was so much more to learn ahead of me, but I had already reached a huge milestone. Fast forward three years from that initial solo, and now I had my flight instructor rating, and it was finally my turn to send someone off for their solo. 
And at this time, I was flight, flight instructing part-time in the flight department at Embry-Riddle as I was uh, finishing up my, my last semester of, of classes. So it was a really, uh, a really unique uh, program to be able to, to combine the two. Um, and so my, my, my senior year, I was essentially just, I, I, you know, I, I say part-time instructing, but I was really in that flight department most of my time there uh, while, while taking classes on the side. At Embry-Riddle, there, there's also a flying club for full-time employees and, and their family members to have access to a couple of planes for them to enjoy for training or, or just to, to rent and, and get away for a weekend adventure. So even though I was part-time, they actually brought me into the club because they had a lot of members with an interest in flight training and a lack of flight instructors. So now in addition to my student assignments for the, the, the flight department, I now had an opportunity to train students in a different training environment where uh, instead of following the, the flight department's program, I could create my own syllabus and, and tailor the training to meet the, the individual students' needs. Because uh, it's, a, it's a very more laid back type of uh, setup instead of having a rigorous program that that, for lack of a better term, is essentially a pilot factory. That's, that's what Embry-Riddle is. So very quickly after joining the club, I got an email that Corey, who is the son of a full-time employee at Riddle, was interested in starting flight lessons. So we met up and immediately built a, a really great working relationship. Corey was also enrolled at Riddle studying unmanned aircraft systems, or UAS, and so there was a lot of crossover knowledge points between uh, flying manned and unmanned aircraft. So Corey already had a solid bank of knowledge. In fact, I, I distinctly remember that the ground lessons we had were very easy and mostly discussion-based because he already knew all the topics. He knew what was going on. It was just a matter of getting him into the plane and learning to fly. So we did just that. We, we probably met up, uh, I'd say, two or three times per week uh, to fly, and, and, and we had a blast. I, I never want to <laughs> admit to favoritism with my students because it's not, not exactly very professional, but, but I'm going to flat out say that Corey was one of my top students. He was highly motivated and took constructive feedback really well. I, I remember a few lessons where he was a little frustrated and, and because he wasn't seeing any progress on the day's lesson, you know, whether it was landings or, or some maneuver or something, but I, I reminded him that he was already off to a way better start than me. I mean, flying doesn't come naturally and it requires a lot of patience, I would remind him. And I, I could recall the many times where I reached a plateau in progress and it was frustrating, uh, but, but I overcame it. And I, I knew that Corey would too, and, and I was, uh, I did everything I could to, to kind of coax him along and, and really encourage him that that he he would get past this uh, this plateau. So like like I mentioned before, Corey and I worked really well together, and had a, quite a few laughs along the way. Flight training is it's generally supposed to be a very professional environment, but with Corey we had some great conversations and <laughs> some jokes that I I will not be sharing on this podcast. So it was it was more than just working together and, and training him. It was it was a friendship that that was forming through his flight training. So it was it was a really unique experience. And again, like I mentioned, with the flying club, it was it was my own syllabus that I could create instead of following the rigorous guidelines of the flight department. So there there was a lot of freedom with that. And, you know, if something personal came up, um, 
you know, we, we'd just text each other, call each other, whatever. And, and, you know, we'd, we'd take a break from flying for a week or two if we needed to. I mean, it was, it, it was a really uh, great learning environment. So after a, a few months of flying, March 4th, 2020, um, I think we had started back in, I want to say October or November or something. So yeah, it'd been a few months. Uh, it was time for me to send Corey off for his solo. He was, he was ready. I had, uh, gone through all the requirements, uh, with the maneuvers and, and, uh, he was getting really solid with those landings. So it was, it was time for me to send him off. So we, we met up, uh, that morning on March 4th, 2020. And I remember I could tell he was nervous. He was, he was definitely a little nervous. What I did not tell him and well, at least I, I tried not to show, maybe, maybe I did show it, but I was also nervous um, because this was the first time I was going to send someone off for their solo. Um, so I was nervous, and, but I was, I was also really excited and really confident. I mean, I, I was confident in the training that I provided Corey and his abilities. He had, he had proven to me that he was darn ready to solo this plane. So I, I filled out his logbook with all the, the proper endorsements that allowed him to solo without having his private pilot certificate yet. And then we headed out to the plane. I remember the, the forecast called for winds picking up later in the day. So we, we got rolling and, and headed out to the same airport I had soloed out three years prior, which was Flagler County Airport in, in Palm Coast, Florida. So before we left, Corey asked to ensure that we were in fact going to Flagler because there uh, there was going to be an audience for him. I think it was his his mother, sister, grandmother, and his boss at, at the time for his current job. They they were all going to be there to support and, and cheer him on. So uh, I thought that was that was really awesome to to have a, a group of people going out to to see your solo. So just like my my first solo. We, uh, we took off out of Daytona and then we, um, I don't even know if we, we flew around and did a couple maneuvers, but uh, I do remember we, we got into the traffic pattern and, and I had Corey do a, a few laps in the pattern to warm up and get a feel for the winds. And then we taxied over and parked the plane at the FBO and met up with the family for a quick little gathering. And then Corey went back out to the plane and I stayed with the fam and, and at that same picnic table that Kelly was at the day that I had soloed three years prior. And, and that's what I mean when it was just this most full circle moment I had ever encountered in life. But once Corey got the engine started and taxied out, his mother, I remember his mother nudged me and, and asked, is, is he ready for this? I'm, I'm so nervous. And I assured her that yes, he indeed, he was very ready. And I, I, I could definitely appreciate her concern. However, even though her son uh, was all grown up and, and in college, th I mean, this was her baby about to do something that, that would many would consider quite dangerous. Um, but because of the, the great training that, that I had received, I was able to pass along my knowledge and create an amazing flying skill set for, for Corey. So now it was his turn to show us that he was ready to take, take the plane into the sky all by himself and come back and land safely, I might add. <laughs> I had a, a, a mobile radio with me so that I could hear Corey talk to air traffic control. And my goodness, I, I remember he sounded so great. His mother asked me, wait, was that him? He's talking so fast. What did he say? So I, I remember I was explaining a couple things, uh, different phrases that he would, he'd be saying on the radio. And, um, 
and and this is this is kind of a common observation by the the non-pilot people. We we talk very quickly on the radio. We're not trying to rush. We just want to keep things concise and spend a limited amount of time on the frequency because a lot of these airports can be quite busy. And so if you're able to get your point across uh, quickly, clearly, concisely, it, it just, it, it sounds good. It's professional. And, and Corey picked up uh, his radio communications skills uh, very early on. He was very good at it. So uh, that, that was really neat because that was probably, I'm assuming, the, the first time that his his mother had ever heard him on the radio before. So it was, it was definitely a really cool feeling uh, to, to see her so proud and, and kind of just taken aback by, by uh, her, her son, you know, talking on the radio in, in a little airplane. <laughs> so on the, on the far side of the airfield, we could hear the sound of his engine when he was doing his, his run-up, uh, checking the engine parameters. And then we heard over the frequency, he told Tower that he was ready for takeoff and he got his takeoff clearance and was quickly in the air. I remember uh, after the takeoff, we could see him for a little bit, but then Corey disappeared behind the trees for a little while. Uh, but then I, I heard him report that midfield left down one call out, which is very common at these towered airports that don't have any radar. So they're, they're looking for you to, to report a specific area of the traffic pattern that you're in so that they can take their binoculars, look and find you. So uh, he, he reported his midfield left down into the tower and, and the controller issued him his landing clearance. And I remember uh, he started turning base to final um, and, and then he, he came back from, the tre uh, from behind the trees and we could see Corey again as he was lining up to land. I, I watched proudly as I heard the engine RPM slowly reduce and then, you know, increase little bits here and there. And, and he was, he was working the throttle to, to come in, uh, come into the runway and, um, and then, and then fully pulled it back to idle as he started to cross the runway threshold. And he slowly added that back pressure on the yoke and, and we witnessed just a, a beautiful flare and perfect touchdown with just the little, little chirp of the, the main wheels hitting the pavement. He taxied off uh, and went back for round two. And again, he rolled down the runway, disappeared behind the trees for a couple minutes, and then came back around. Uh, and then and then we saw him again. At this point, the, the winds had started to pick up a little bit, uh, but Corey handled them really well. For this, this second approach, I noticed he was coming in a little faster, which is it's totally fine. Uh, but with more speed, it means you've got a little bit more energy. Um, and, and it's going to require a little bit more, uh, landing distance, um, because again, with that more energy, uh, it's going to cause this floating effect. You're going to eat up a little bit more runway, but same as before, I could see him working that plane towards the runway and it was still a really good landing. It, it certainly wasn't as buttery as the last one. Uh, there were a couple of small little bounces, but it was, it was still a very safe landing. I, I remember his mom asking me, was that a good landing? And I said, yes, of course it was perfect. Now it was very safe, but <laughs> it's funny because Corey and I chuckled later about this, how that second landing, it, it wasn't the best, but again, it was still very safe. Um, you know, he kept the back pressure, uh, in, and he kept that nose wheel up. So there was, there was no, there was nothing unsafe about this landing. As he took his, his last lap in the pattern, I, I couldn't help but think back to my solo just over three years prior. I remembered that big smile I had cracked when Kelly gave me that thumbs up. And now I got to give my huge thumbs up to Corey. And as he landed for the third time, uh, 
just like the first landing, he, he absolutely left butter on the runway. It was, it was, it was beautiful. It was such a smooth landing, uh, especially considering these winds were starting to pick up. I think they were upwards of 15 miles an hour at this point. So after that last landing, he taxied off the runway, uh, came over to the FBO, parked, and uh, shut down the engine, and, and we all swarmed him around the, the plane. Many hugs went around, and I could tell that this was a very emotional moment. For me, too, because like I said, it, I was not only sending off a student for solo for the first time, I was, I was also reliving my past. I remember seeing um, Corey got out, and you know, I, I gave him a pretty sure I gave him a big hug too and a, a good fist pump or something. But I, I, I remember seeing a tear rolling down Corey's face, um, a, a, a tear of, of enjoyment, emotions just all over. He, he pulled out a card out of his wallet. He showed me. Uh, it was his late grandfather's old pilot certificate from many years ago. And he, he said as he looked up towards the sky, that this flight was for you, Grandpa. I mean, holy crap. Tear, tears almost started flowing down my face. What, what an absolutely beautiful moment. And it, it's moments like this where I, I really appreciate aviation so much. I mean, it, it builds great relationships and creates these tear-jerking, happy moments. Uh, it, it goes beyond just, just flying. But for this solo, for Corey, I mean, it was, it was a really just... There's no experience I've ever had in aviation like it. I, I've had plenty of, of things happen to me. I've, I've got so many stories to tell. But this this one particular day, getting to see his family all there, um, it, it was just such a joyful, amazing moment uh, that I'm going to remember forever. And, and that's why this is uh, a big a big episode for me. So as I mentioned earlier, Corey and I had a, a really good working relationship and it, it quickly turned into a friendship. It has been great to text him on occasion and, and hear about his accomplishments even after he was, he was done training with me. Um, I I'd got Corey through uh, that solo and then I, I finished up his private pilot training as well. That was right, it straddled right during uh, when COVID first hit. So we did have a, a bit of a, a break there for a good three to four months, I think. Uh, well, everything was kind of shut down. So, but we, we came back, finished up his training, and, and I, I sent him off for his check ride, and, and he he passed first try. I actually, <laughs> I remember the day of his check ride, I was supposed to have uh, a flight with a, a, a student in the flight department, or I was supposed to have something going on, and then, then it canceled. And in the the flying club, we have uh, we had two planes. And so obviously Corey had his trek ride in one of them. And then the other one I noticed was open. It, it had originally been scheduled for something, but it was now, it was now open. And so I decided, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to stock, I'm going to stock my students check ride. <laughs> and so I actually grabbed uh, the plane. I, I had racked up some credit. Um, so I, I took, I took the other plane out for a rental. Um, and I remember he, uh, he went out and, and uh, I, I kind of followed along and, and got to, to witness his check ride. In fact, I, I remember at the end at, at Daytona Airport, it's not a, a complicated airport, but there's, there's three intersecting runways and there's, there's um, some intersecting taxiways. It's, it's a little goofy areas. And there's this one area called the Alpha Run-Up Area. It's this particular uh, taxi point where uh, you, you'll do your engine run-up. Um, but they don't, Daytona Air Traffic Control doesn't always use it. Um, and I, I had realized that, oh my gosh, in the entire year that I spent with Corey in his flight training, we had never gone to that Alpha Run-Up Pad. 
And of course, on the day of his check ride, they decide to use that. And so uh, I felt kind of bad about that because that was never a discussion point. But because I was also out, um, I, I, I actually, I do remember that Corey, he, he went before me. Yeah. So he, I remember he told me he was a little nervous about this cause he's like, oh man, you know, I've never gone to the Alpha Runa path, but he figured out it was good. <laughs> All is well. Um, there's just this one area where you could almost taxi into the customs little parking lot area, but, but he went, he went to the correct area. And I remember, uh, taxiing and, and parking next to him to do my run up too. Um, I was on the other side, so he, he was, you know, he was on the far side of me because the, the, the check airman was closest to me, but, um, I didn't bother, you know, waving or anything like that. Cause it's like, I want him to be fully focused. He, he did tell me later that he did, he did realize it was me, but I, I had no intention of making him nervous by any means. So I, I remember, um, he, I think, yeah, I think I, I scooted out of there real quick. Uh, I took off, headed up towards the beach, started going northbound. And then I heard him take off a couple planes behind me and, and we, uh, we departed the, the Daytona's airspace. And then I started kind of tootling around pretty low altitude along the beach. And then I, I heard him making his radio calls and watched overhead as he was doing some steep turns and the other maneuvers that were required. So it was, it was, it was kind of fun just, just tracking him and, and, uh, watching what he was doing and, and hearing him on the radio. And, and again, I was, I just knew like, I think he's, he's going to do really well. And, uh, sure enough, he did. I mean, we, we came back. Um, I, I had beat him back to the airport, but, um, I was tying up the plane and he taxis in and, uh, he, uh, he parks the plane, gives me a thumbs up and he had passed his check ride. So it was just, it was a, a really great, um, a really great moment there too. Uh, again, not quite like the solo. The, the solo is just such a huge milestone, but passing your private pilot check ride, that that's, that's big. That's when you, you really get your wings. You know, you, you can now take a plane by yourself or, or take friends up. It, it's a, it's a huge accomplishment. So, um, I, I remember after we had, we had talked about the, the possibility of me doing his, his instrument training. Uh, but, uh, unfortunately with, with the timing and everything, I, I left Embry-Riddle not long after completing his training. So, um, that, that was, that was it working with Corey. Uh, since I've, I've been, I've still been in touch with him and his latest achievement was that he did just complete his instrument check ride, uh, just recently, I think within the last uh, month or two, and, uh, he's starting his commercial pilot training soon. So to, to Corey, my man, I had a lot of fun teaching you and writing this episode has really brought back some memories and I, I'm so glad you're continuing your flight training. I'm very proud, and, and I'm serious when I say that when I'm back visiting your area, we're gonna meet up and grab that celebratory beer that we had talked about for a long time. Corey also added a, a little anecdote to our, our time working together, which was the day that we got stuck in the mud landing on a grass strip. So that that's gonna be an entirely different episode uh, for you to listen to uh, and again, just another chance for me to enjoy reliving another memory where it, it was a really, um, it was an interesting day of, of learning from some mistakes. Um, so be on the lookout for an episode titled stuck in the mud or, or something along those lines that'll, that'll be coming up, uh, in the future. Um, so thanks to Corey for, for reminding me of that, of that day, because that, that was, uh, that was quite the day. Um, really, again, really good learning experience, and I'm really looking forward to to sharing that with you all. 
So that concludes this week's episode of Cleared for Takeoff. Thank you so much for tuning in. And, and just a reminder, uh, if you didn't listen to episode three, on my website now, on the, the blog post, the podcast page, there's actually a discussion forum posting thing that you can you can type in there and and you can ask questions or or give me feedback on on these episodes i'd, I'd really love to see you guys there uh ask some questions or, or give me any recommendations for future episodes again the the whole uh the whole the whole idea of this podcast is i'm going to be able to share a lot of stories uh learning moments for myself stories like today of of the, that first solo but i'm also looking to do some interviews with people too so uh, if you've got anyone that you can think of that, uh, that you know, it would be a good topic uh, for an interview subject or something, just put it in those comments. I'd, I'd love to see that uh, because, again, th these weekly episodes, I'm, I'm going to always have a bunch of content, but at some point I'm going to need something else. And, and so I'm really, really hoping uh, that I can get some feedback from you guys. So anyway, I'll be back next Friday on the next episode. And again, thanks so much for tuning in. Until then, as always, fly safe. Fly safe.